Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Web Machines podcast. We are in a new episode, and today I'm with a very interesting guest. I have Paul from the Thunkable team. So, hello, Paul. How are you today? Amazing. Yeah. And so, could you tell the folks out there listening what it is that you do, Thunkable? Hi, doing great. Uh, it's good to be on. Yeah, that's crazy. Also, you so you're actually working on the interface that allows the programming, right? Great. So I'm a software developer at Thunkable. Uh, particularly, I work a lot on the blocks-based programming language part of it. But uh, we oh, yeah, make it just that's, that's easier for people to go off and program and keep the I system get, up and running like for allow anyone to be able visceral to. initial reaction that I get from people who are into this visual coding world, uh, but haven't gone uh, yes. deep uh, into interface that allows the programming code and, and even code. particularly uh, the drag and drop interface like, oh, allow you like to be scratch, able to add components right? uh, to your screen. Because the, the, like the visually it's very similar, right? So what I would like to ask is, did you guys just take the initial platform of Scratch as a visual developing uh, language, like a visual language, and just went from there? Oh, that's cool. So we definitely have our roots coming as a kind of building out of a project mm -hmm. from MIT. So a lot of us actually, some my first job actually at MIT was working yeah. on the Scratch team. Um, and uh, from there, uh, you can actually see a lot of these blocks lang uh, block languages have kind of developed uh, using uh, same, some of the same types of tools, have some consistency to allow people to be familiar as they kind of move from one tool to another. Yeah, that, that's interesting but because in we're really of, looking to uh, making a business out of very, this. Very and uh, and like particularly reaching different types of audiences that other like, programming uh, languages like and systems wouldn't be able to you know, get in, in particular. Fit allowing designers actually to make it wrong. easier to make and a beautiful looking apps uh, and be able to make it quickly that way be because you can build um, like a very poorly designed app if you don't go like a little bit deeper then i connect this block and this block and something happens right you need to have like a deeper understanding of like programmatic concepts in order to make like a good performant app Oh no, the one of the great things about Thunkable is that you can be kind of at any type of level and be able to build something great. So for example, if you're a designer, what you can do is just add components to your screen or import it from Figma, and then you actually have something that looks great that then works immediately on Android and iOS and on the web quickly. And then if you want to go a bit deeper, 
then you can uh, add maybe just simple uh, blocks to be able to navigate from one screen to another uh, to then kind of make an interactive prototype that allows you to be able to see exactly what uh, your system is going to look like on, on an actual device. You're able to do that fairly quickly with no programming at all. But then Tuckable does actually have, as you mentioned, that power. It basically allows you to take full use of what you have inside of your mobile device, uh, be it with the sensors or uh, use kind of, it's essentially a full programming language underneath that then allows you to be able to build kind of anything yeah, I mean, that you want. You know, I think the so today we kind of allow people that, to, uh, uh, based off of their and, uh, knowledge and what they want to be able to do, kind of build anything on, uh, on this uh, wide scale of, just putting components on a screen to make it look work. good, like people can build, test out quickly, to building like something a, that can, really is a full, large working program. And all of these like you can put inside the app store and publish and be able to uh, get out know, to the world. Like a course site. Building an actual app that you can download from uh, the app store, it seems like it's the almost the last bastion that's gatekeeped right, in some way by only developers and only companies who can basically afford to build those type of projects. But projects like yours and, and some others in this space are really, really making this approachable. And this is interesting because that probably presents a lot more of um, challenges, right? Because you're basically, maybe not consciously for the user, you're teaching them how to like basically program. So... How do you balance that? Because I know there are some products who lean very much into the commercial aspect of it, but it's really clear that you guys are very much into also the education part. Yeah. Yeah, um, I guess we have uh, various mm-hmm. audiences, and we're uh, we a lot of people use us for education just because it's so easy for us to be able to build projects. Right now, publishing apps is actually quite difficult. If you're just a developer, the process of getting mm-hmm. your yes. development environment set up is a challenge. Be it uh, if you have to do it inside of Xcode and get it done with Swift, or getting uh, the Android developer tools, or else, and then uh, the process of submitting things to the store, packaging your APK, and then getting it signed and then sending it off. All of this is requires tons of effort for even developers to be able to do. Um, but the ability with Unthunkable to be able to just drag the components on that you have, be able to hit a button, and then uh, be able to download your app or send it to the store, um, yeah, really I mean, that's, kind of that's one of makes the that process great so much I think, in easier in general, that you end up having was really, uh, within when, educational when context, put your things together and have a final project. Or if you're inside of a business, you're able to put your app together and show it to your boss. Right? So really the you know, ability to again, get I'm, from I'm idea to finished product, be able to kind of make that as easy as possible. And how memory works in the computer or whatever. The type of education that I mean is that I think that with uh, types, with, with uh, products like Thunkable and some other products that are right now on the market, I think we're at a point that we can actually start thinking about how to create the curriculum 
for the first generation of actual visual developers, meaning people who work as visual developers and they create products, whether it's internal tools for big companies or it's very local tools for small businesses or there are designers like you, you were pointing earlier, they want to expand their offerings to their clients, that kind of thing. And they bring on board some visual developer who his actual, I don't want to say job title because, you know, I'm, uh, education is so flimsy these days, especially with COVID. You know, people are, sometimes they feel that they are in college, but at the same time, they feel like they're, they're, they're paying ridiculous amounts of money for a, a, like a Udemy course almost because everything is online. But I mean, actually people who are, who go through some training that they come out on the other side, being able to take all of these tools, you know, wrangle them up and offer a programmatic solution or a software solution for their clients or for their employers. And so how would you think that Fungible could be integrated into that because that's really what I'm really, really interested in when I'm talking about education, like how we make the first generation of visual developers. Yes. So I think the great thing about some of these tools is that they're becoming easier and easier for people to be able to just use. So kind of you need less time for a lot of more the formal learning and training to be able to figure out how to go off and be able to do things. Within a tool like Thunkable, I guess the goal is to uh, we make it easy so people are able to just get started, be able to kind of dive in immediately to be able to go off and build a project people will end up learning through kind of series of mm -hmm. tutorials that we have to be able to uh, learn kind of like all the features within the system. But within kind of all of these education systems uh, that, that we have to, how to go off and learn a particular tool, to me, what's kind of the most important piece or one of the largest important pieces is really the community. Yeah. Because not only are you going to need to want to learn just from uh, tons of YouTube videos out there. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, people, people have questions, people get stuck. And, uh, and whenever you're building a tool, building with the tool, um, I guess you kind of sometimes rely on stack overflow if you're uh, using a normal programming tool. But uh, kind of our large community that we have of, of people who've built projects and experts building things and uh, new people kind of coming in to be able to get immediate feedback on the particular types of things that you're working on uh, ends up being a yeah, powerful and, and motivator also, you know, I've to been help people kind of the idea continue. Of, so I guess between you know, tutorials and documentation learning, be able to understand kind of how to build the system, but really kind of that ongoing education, always of, learning all more the uh, through the community. Also, there is like a very um, tangible feedback more powerful, that people um, that kind of a receive way to with continued learning environment that allows them to push a little bit uh, one another to be better or they're uh, struggling with some concepts right and so that that thing i think it's very very much important when you're doing uh, like learning in a cohort and especially when you're learning like programmatic and, and technological subjects they sometimes can uh, tend to be 
at least at the beginning, a little difficult to grasp. But once you grasp like the initial basic concept, you're good to go. But what I was contemplating is the idea of apprentice and guilds. And I was reading into it and I got into this weird uh, Wikipedia uh, spiral. You know how you, you go and you just click on links, click on links. Yeah, when I was like hours, it was like 2 or 3 a.m. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> what have I done? I'm going to waste like six hours. But at the end of that, I was really thinking about how great it would be if we could bring back some sort of like apprentice system. Because I was looking into that and, and that works like in, uh, you know, how, I don't remember how, how the American term for this is, but uh, um, the way that you, you know, you have carpenters and, and builders and electricians, that kind of thing. It has like a, like an overall name that I don't remember at the moment, but they are very much into that, like into the concept of apprentices and people just going into some sort of position and then learning from some master for a certain amount of time. And they always have a, like a gathering professional place that they come back, can come back to and have seminars. And obviously, you know, us designers, we have that also with the IAGA, I think it's called in the US. But they're like local versions of that everywhere in the world. So do you think that that could be like a viable system in order to build like the initial big structure around this thing called like visual developers? Mm -hmm. Sure. Definitely. So, I mean, within in pre-COVID times, let's say, um, it would be uh, it'd be typical that people uh, would actually uh, sit down and be able to actually uh, learn mm -hmm. together, where sometimes you did have a person who kind of knew more, uh, and you could take almost programming type of a model to at least get someone started to understand what's going on, to be able to kind of build up with uh, their knowledge base. Right. But, um, and, uh, and you kind of see even some of these types of things within almost meetup settings with how people kind of, and this is more of observation of how people end up working together within those meetup settings as uh, someone's trying to build something and basically is working with someone who kind of is an expert uh, within the field and then is able to help them be able to make things. But yes, I guess it's a harder question within the, uh, during COVID, trying to do some of these same types of practices online uh, is just more difficult on a day-to-day -day to be able to pull off um, other than uh, basically uh, sharing sharing projects. I guess in yeah, the like a feature that we don't have now that we're looking forward right to within Thunkable is kind of the real-time collaboration the, we have like, the within hand, the Google Docs that it from the perspective enable that same type you know, like, of uh, behavior, but we don't have that quite yet. Of projects, so, something it to seems look forward like to in the future of Thunkable to be able to kind of enhance and, and that type of model remotely as opposed are, to need to only do it in person. Did unlock some other understanding that we can do this online. Since it's online, it doesn't have to be people from the same geographical area. So meaning if you had some sort of program, if people are willing, you know, to work at from 2 a.m. to 5 a.m., whatever, if you, if you have the stamina for that, you can just join, 
right? And that'll be fine. As long as you're within the expectations of the program, that's a possibility. That's like a real tangible possibility for people. And so I really think that that could be Definitely. The well within, and I guess it's the one fun thing as someone who works on the Thunkable team to be able to see is just how global our community is of people um, who are kind of uh, building things. I live uh, in California. We have like what's to me like spikes in the middle of the night as we uh, see uh, tons of users in Asia uh, going off and building things on our platform. Uh, so to be able to have kind of people in different types of uh, locations to be, always be building interesting things is, a, is kind of personally for me one of the fun things to be able to watch and see how people are able to build different types of things like for their own context kind of regardless of where they are um, be it i think within yemen we had someone building using our bluetooth functionality something to control uh, solar panels uh, using uh, using their phones and you had People even here in California were measuring the smoke uh, that we were getting um, from the forest fires that we had, um, I guess, earlier last year. So being able to have a global community with people being able to build kind of for their context and then be able to receive help and instruction from people who are kind of anywhere is definitely something that is nice that you don't that you don't necessarily get from the one-on-one kind of apprenticeship model when you're just like in person so i guess being able to communicate globally and really more heavily rely on that is something we've kind of all gotten used to Currently. So, how do you feel like the future of no code could move, like, especially for tools for like Thunkable? When thinking about the future, I mm-hmm. guess I'd probably like to think about the past and where we've where we've come from. So we uh, in the past we had more low level languages. So uh, you you start by uh, programming exactly what the chip is going to do with a little memory, and then we kind of get higher and higher levels of abstraction. So then you get things that are C, and then on top of that you get Python and um, right. JavaScript, and then on top of that. Now you have kind of these no-code tools where those no-code tools, you know, Mm -hmm. underneath, they're kind of still using all those lower-level abstractions, but they, at every point, we make it easier for people to do things with uh, less work, being able to specify fewer things, and then being able to have more power within kind of each command of what you happen to do. So so on, on one trajectory, I think it'll become much easier over time to be able to kind of build uh, these creative artifacts, uh, whatever they happen to be, and to the point where less and less type of training will be needed to the point where things will just be intuitive for people to be able to say, oh, okay, 
this is what I want, and then be able to immediately go off and have it. And I think it's kind of the ideal on kind of that end of the spectrum. But I think another another type of access to think about is what gets programmed. So I guess we start out by having only like large mainframes being programmed, yeah. then computers, and now we have our, our portable um, our portable laptops. And then you start going, um, I guess, further to you look at every, with the Internet of Things, you, uh, we have like, well, you have your mobile phone, which is kind of what uh, Thunkable specializes in. But then you can imagine everything else that gets programmed these days. I mean, we have uh, TVs that are uh, uh, that are that are smart. You have light bulbs that you can connect to with Bluetooth and be able to uh, change their color and the, uh, the dimness. And you have watches, and you also have things like VR. So I think what you end up doing is you have kind of this um, almost explosion of different types of t- uh, types of mediums that you're able to program on. Uh, to, and all these things kind of take the same type of, uh, you want to be able to do the same type yeah. of thing. You want to be able to build something, it's design something, the, make it look good and get deployed out to whoever your audience is. So as the technology changes and broadens, I think people will be able to build on more types of surfaces. And as our interfaces become easier and easier, it will be easier to be able to program. So what I would like to ask you is about how would be like a good approach because at the end of the day the like thunkable is very i don't want to say consumer but it's very like a front-facing app it's almost like a very obviously you know you have the your backend abilities and you need those abilities in order to make the the thing work but uh it's not so much uh like a, the lower level backend type of thing and so how would you how would you be imagine like you would be like the best approach to start inserting or start integrating like no code tools within an engineering team or within uh, that engineering cycle? Um, probably the easiest and earliest one to think about is just prototyping. So one of the great things about Thunkable is you can easily put things together, see what it looks like, test it out quickly. If you like it, you can use it. If you don't like it, you can throw it away. But that ends up being simple, uh, simpler to do than need to go off and be able to those maybe just throw away things where um, kind of some of the back end stuff may be less necessary. But then sometimes when you are prototyping, you really do want to be able to see things with real data. So we currently have pretty tight integrations with uh, Google Sheets and Airtable where you'd be able to, um, if, if your data happens to already be there, you put your data there, um, be able to have Thunkable be able to directly pull from that and be able to uh, use it so you can display it for whoever your client might be at that point. As you go deeper in inside, yeah. then uh, I guess everything depends on um, what types of integrations you're looking for. Uh, so while we do have uh, things that are fairly tied with uh, Firebase, for example, most other like backend tools have REST APIs uh, that you can go off and connect to. And you're able to use our 
web API component to be able to send information um, up to them, be able to receive it, which we've made a bit easier already, but we'll work to make um, even easier in the future. But And the nice thing one can do is create basically uh, procedures that, that basically call those and be able to really link to any type of outside service yeah, that you want to be able to get, get information from and then developer. kind of use and that as your that back end. Maybe you should, so like, I think quote, within the development that. cycle, you, you can like either use it as a like prototype, you could use it as kind of what you want you your main product to be and then have it tied directly to whatever back ends or databases that you're currently using or even other automation tools. Crazy things in Python or whatever, Java whatever you're, you're good at, and you just concentrate on that, on the things that you're good at, and you allow a relatively simple tool like Tankable to do all the UI work or to do all the front-end work, and vice versa, right? If you're like a, like a front-end guy or you're an app guy, just go and build something with a no-code tool that is not your strength anyway, and you're going to waste time and you're going to waste energy in trying to learn this new thing what you could be reducing that and getting uh, either, you know, like a, like a solid project outside or even offering as a service business-wise. Yes. So if you're a backend developer, for example, uh, as you mentioned, you can just use your server. We have people who are doing some crazy things with machine learning on the servers and basically use Thunkable as their uh, front end. So they don't need to understand React or Swift or uh, Kotlin to be able to go off and make their apps. Similarly, if you're on the uh, UI side and uh, maybe uh, there's uh, something crazy you can't build inside of Thunkable, and uh, we actually have kind of a, a web viewer API where you can basically build literally anything uh, inside of JavaScript and then be able to uh, get that within your app. And the nice thing is that you, uh, as a JavaScript developer, you don't have to worry about um, all, all the code, uh, get setting up your environment, all the code necessary to actually uh, build an app and get it deployed yeah, um, out to the store, be able just to provide the JavaScript to like whatever to your APIs are, or visual APIs you may yes. have. So mm. I think, Take a so look at these yes, this, depending on what your strength your and kind of what your forward. background so, is, uh, you're example, able to kind of use Thunkable kind of as a piece of whatever, uh, within so whatever larger system. If you're a person you who is into backend and you have an idea for an app, you don't have to go to 20 meetups and Facebook groups and Slack channels and look for somebody who is willing to work on your idea and you have chemistry together, which is nice, you know, it's nice working with people. But when you wanna have a business case out and you wanna find out if your idea is, is good at all, at the end of the day, this is the shortest way and this is the way that if you succeed, the ROI or the return on investment on your time, it's incredible, right? But also if you fail, it's also a great learning experience. And however really you, are, you succeed or fail, both of them are going to be uh, very quick. And that's something that you really want to do when you're uh, introducing like new products into the market.
Absolutely. When dealing with, if you want to have something to be able to show an investor, um, I guess to me, everything's about what the uh, fidelity of the prototype for your idea is. So I guess uh, we'll say low fidelity might be uh, you, you've drawn exactly what you're going to do on paper and say, see, here it is. And I guess uh, a medium fidelity might uh, prototype might be you go inside of PowerPoint and put screenshots together and see what happens. And uh, maybe uh, high fidelity, which you wouldn't necessarily want to do, would be uh, going off and like building the thing inside of code. And I guess with each of those, like low fidelity takes the least amount of time and the high fidelity takes the most amount of time and that medium fidelity is somewhere in the middle. Uh, what Dunkable allows you to be able to do is to be able to get to high fidelity, but in a short amount of time. So being able to build something quickly without needing all that knowledge really allows you to be able to get from idea to app and then without the extra help yeah, and time and, and, and money and you know, needing uh, partner, uh, general, partnership. And, and I think that to me, that empowerment so is kind of what uh, the low code space you know, and the particularly apps. in particular, you know, uh, I always a powerful say, tool. I try to not to recommend going into apps right away just because I'm thinking also about the business uh, logic and it is a fact that it's much harder to get users onto a mobile app rather than just going to web and that's why it's so great that Dunkable has that web view that you can easily just you know pass in a link through WhatsApp or some sort of messenger it's much easier to get somebody on board on your product rather than downloading the app uh, installing it getting a user in and then only then interacting with the actual product itself. And so when you are looking for that speed, you want to go to web. And that's why Thunkable having a web view is so, is so great because that allows people who otherwise either wouldn't go and create the thing that they want to create or they will go and spend literally just months or even maybe years trying to run out enough capital to go and build that, that idea or that seed of that idea, thinking that some, that it's something that might work, then you have something like Thunkable where you can go, okay, I'm going to take a month and just learn day and night and I'm going to launch this thing. And you can realistically launch an idea in a couple of months where, quote unquote, the real world, you would have to go into some sort of dev shop and they'll say, yeah, we need like three, four months and this is going to be 30K or 40K. And when you have like a subscription, how, how much is a subscription right now for Refresh Dunkable? Can you imagine that? It's like, isn't that like, I don't know, like, like, a, like a couple of lunches? I don't know how people don't, you know, like internalize that. That, that is insane. Like you could skip fancy coffee for uh, three it's weeks. $21 monthly. <laughs> and get the opportunity to build your dream and with, with a little bit of time, you know, and this is not like, you know, this weird inspirational abstract thing that doesn't have any grounds in reality. This is like real life. This is like you can save a buck each week and in around like two months, you're going to have enough money without doing anything. Uh, you're going to have enough money to launch an app, like a real life app. You know, obviously there there are some more fees there for the app store or whatever, but you you understand what I'm saying, like the gap between doing the traditional way and going uh, the no code way, especially with tools with Tankable, it's so amazing. I really would like to you know to see in general 
uh, more people just engaging in that. And that's why I try to, you know, talk with you guys and, and some other people to both have the conversation, but also try to figure out how we can bring this to more people. Because, you know, I'm like a Twitter person and I talk to some, some people and I do the hashtag no code and that's fun and whatever. But the amount of people who are absolutely not aware that this is actually a reality and this is ex this exists like the fact that you can for a hundred dollars get your dream come true like it's it's insanity and so how do you think it will be the best way to start approaching like quote-unquote like normal people and just like regular people and to try to deliver this message to them Um, a, a lot of people have I I it's uh, ideas and uh, of uh, of a thing that they want to go off and build. You know, and something people come up to me, oh, could you could you build X Y Z? And I and really, uh, and I'm like, just just go to this link and build it yourself. And and for those who actually go to the link and are able to do it, they're like, oh wow, this was like this was insanely simple. Mm -hmm. It was drag drag a few things out, and here it is. So I think it's just about um, I, it's it's just about one of the hardest things is people aren't people don't know that they can, and uh, and it's really just about getting people um, to take those few minutes to be able to go on the platform, yeah. uh, add add things, and be able to mm -hmm. uh, see oh wow yes I can really do this I think we've gotten there within. Um, I think really? people in general, uh, a, a lot of people, there's more awareness that you can do this in web, for example, uh, uh, given all, all, all the people in the, in, in the space of creating websites. But um, within uh, mobile apps, there really uh, isn't anything as yeah, simple that's, and that's to the, be able to go off and build you know, uh, to then be able to get out there. So I think I really, besides I really, uh, really more marketing, I guess it's really just getting like people to like come to the platform and realize and just how like simple it can be to kind of you go get your, say, okay, go from idea to that. And it works. It's such a rewarding sensation. and It's such a rewarding feeling. And that's more powerful than any theoretical thing that would happen in your school, for instance, in different educational circles that you have, like the fact that you can just show somebody a link from the app store and say, yeah, I made that. That's why I really think important for tool makers such as yourself, you know, to keep moving into that direction because it, it's going to empower so much more creative people to just make things and people and not only creative people but people who have pain points in their lives that really nobody can see but them so meaning it, somebody was telling me this really awesome story about uh, people uh, who are uh, just manager shifts in retail building this incredible complex you know like stock managing apps on uh on some tools from Microsoft. Just they have something that you connect databases and you can trigger things and things happen in, in Excel sheets or whatever. But those people were building such complex like software solutions and that is something that nobody else but them could see because they're not where they weren't close to the pain, right? So 
nobody could could understand that this is something that needs to be done that solves a real problem and then you can just wrap it around and make a product out of it but uh we're losing we're just like i constantly thinking that we're losing all that creativity and we're losing all that problem solving power just because those people are just not aware that they can just go and do that Mm-hmm. Very true. These types of no-code tools, uh, I guess, Stuckable allows you to be able to just. Um, I, I had a friend who worked at a, a restaurant, um, and uh, they weren't happy with how uh, their online menu was set up uh, through like some third-party provider, and um, they they wanted to be a particular way. They and they had like a particular types of options uh, that they wanted to be able to uh, have. Here you can go off and uh, build it, and they went off and be able to kind of uh, built it for themselves to be able to go off and uh, make that work. You nailed it around the head. Uh, being able to get the people who are experiencing Sometimes the pain to be able to you know, be the ones who actually uh, come up with the solution know, as opposed to needing to pay for someone and not being able to afford it or it ends up being uh, powerful uh, to be able to use. But uh, I think that like no-code tools can really go the, the next level and actually be the gig economy like version two where you're not only participating in some generic product that somebody made far, far away and you're just being constrained by whatever they've built, but you're actually just getting into the problem and actually creating your own solution that it's based on a, on a systemized uh, tool, right? Like if I here in Israel, I'm building some sort of tool in Thunkable and somebody in California is building some sort of tool in Thunkable and somebody in Colombia is building some sort of tool. Uh, yes, we are using the same system and the same um, starting point, but the solutions that we're going to build upon that are going are gonna to be so so much more precise and so much more effective that this is going to not only empower us as people you know who can create things and, and be creative and, and work in a field that's uh, a little bit uh, sometimes uh, more rewarding and interesting than doing some other types of work but also is going to really economically boost the local economy of that certain part that we're working with and each person in his turn is going to be able to uh, add a little more fuel to those uh, economic local engines, especially in these times where transportation and interconnectivity has become have become a little bit more difficult. And so uh, that's also something that I've been thinking about a lot about how you can use technology to empower like your local surroundings rather than just going like the SaaS way, just making one thing for the entire world. Yes, you can really build something that's specialized to your own context. And there's so many different types of fields that people do this in that it's like things that, you know, the developers of Thunkable could never even imagine. I know we have like a um, a behavioral therapist oh, cool. uh, and researcher who kind of uh, 
works with kids and autism and uh, basically has kind of uh, created a behavior report card app uh, to be able to uh, uh, track uh, track people's uh, behavior yeah. and um, kind of uh, give, gives them like a Likert scale to be able to uh, make selections and be able to have visualizations of uh, uh, how they've been uh, feeling over time. And I mean, to me, uh, these are just like uh, being able to empower someone to do that for, for something I would never imagine. There's no third party who's probably going to build something mm-hmm. exactly for his context. Uh, it ends up being like a, uh, something that I, it's, and I guess to me, that's one of the great things about being a, a developer yeah, for one of these things is really making it possible for people no to build things and right? uh, to see just how many <laughs> in the and thousands of ways you know, uh, goes out and flourishes to them. And it's a lot of fun. It's just like little pathways that can take you to, to really weird and interesting and very rewarding places if you're willing to put in the little bit of work that, that is necessary, rather than just conforming to whatever tool somebody just drops on you and say, this is the way to do it. Like, you can go and say, no, I want to do this this other way. And I have this set of tools that are going to allow me to carve my own way or carve my own meaning or path for my future the, the, in the way that I that I see things. Yeah, I mean, it seems like uh, building these local tools, always thinking about not a specific goal, but just the possibility. It's a very interesting, very challenging, because at the same time, you have to deal with like a bazillion use cases of people doing like weird stuff that you never intended weird to, right? And so uh, people do like very positive things. And I'm not talking about like bad things, but people just do like weird stuff with your, with your tool. And like, Huh? Why? Why are you doing that? I, I didn't intend for this to be, you know, whatever people do, right? And so, yeah, I, I think it's great. I think you know, it's empowering many people as possible, and it's giving everybody an opportunity to build, uh, an, an opportunity to do something that they couldn't before. So, so I am so into this. Yeah, because you probably just like just going through things, through logs and whatever. You're like, huh? Yes, I um, I've been surprised by uh, actually the size and scope of uh, some projects that people have made uh, to the point that they were they were they were so large we need to make a change because it it was larger than. Um, what initially our system we had. I'm like, what? What is going on? They had like, it had, it had, uh, it had, it had like hundreds oh, of screens. Really? Like, Whoa! What That's is what is going on? We obviously got that fixed. It was just not something I'd expected. <laughs> I think of the strangest thing someone mm-hmm. has done. I, I guess is probably I, I. I was initially surprised. I guess I shouldn't have been about uh, someone making uh, like tons of these. A home automation tool where basically they had like the entire home hooked up with a thunkable app. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and because they're asking, uh, someone's asking some oh, obscure uh, Bluetooth question and uh, figure out, they have to do it, then try to figure out what was going on, have like all these devices uh, to yeah. be able to uh, uh, automate. 
uh, yeah. Because so they're, they're uh, buying just components out of out of uh, AliExpress and just hooking up together it's, in it's, weird it's, ways. It's, it's fun to see what yeah, that's awesome. people do, but uh, it's, you know, every once in a while you get something done. It's fun. That's great. I mean, uh, yeah, that, that's 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 the thing, right? Because there's so many like hardware components available, and especially once you have the power of Bluetooth, you can hook up pretty much anything. You can imagine somebody getting a bunch of Raspberry Pis or that kind of uh, hardware and just doing something with them and then hooking them up into Runcable. Yeah. That could be uh, like real fun. Yes. Uh, yes, it could be. I'm, a, uh, I'm definitely glad for uh, people who are able to easily be able to kind of connect, uh, connect be, be, they, uh, be it microbits or Raspberry Pis or uh, to be able to uh, get to be able to actually sense what's kind of going on in the real world. And there, there really aren't uh, as many tools to be able to go off and make these types of things possible. It's not something uh, we've leaned in toward yet, but a lot of our members of our community have kind of built things that would not have <laughs> uh, would not have expected uh, to be able to see. Yeah, that's good. Now, last thing uh, that I'll ask you is, how do you feel Dunkable? Because you were talking about designers, and I know you guys are looking into making this more accessible for designers. And I know that you have this uh, Figma integration in beta. So how would that look in the future? Because there's a few tools that are just trying to build upon Figma uh, since it's such an open and, and popular tool. I'll say that we we will have more functionality coming out later. Um, that I uh, that is definitely worth looking forward to. All I can say for now is that uh, at least now you can have a design, you can import it, it automatically turns into screens, and you're able to uh, kind of manipulate it as if it's any other thunkable component inside of our system. But for designers, I guess uh, I'd say thunkable is about to come more exciting with future releases as far as what you'll be able to do. So it's something to uh, stay tuned for and look forward to. Amazing. All right. I think we've covered a lot of ground. It was a very uh, great call. And so people can go to thunkable.com, right? Yep. Uh, you can go to thunkable.com and uh, get started building uh, something immediately. There you go. Amazing. So again, Paul, thank you that you took the time to talk with us. It was really fun and interesting. You guys are doing great work. As I said, I'm a really big fan. And um, we'll talk in the future. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, thanks for having us. Happy thunking. Continue using us. Thanks. So, yeah. All right. So uh, thank you, everybody. This was one of many episodes coming in this new season of Web Machines. And we'll see you in the next one.